Welcome to Breaking Down Patriarchy. I'm Amy McPhee, all the best. And today I'm here with my friend Reese Harper. Thank you so much for being on the show, Reese. I'm super excited and a little nervous because <laughs> I am I I told myself I was just gonna do this and not like freak out about it or pre- over prep and just like share what's on my mind. But I actually have like a lot uh you know, I have a lot of respect for what you're doing and for the conversation this is starting. And I think it's so important. And so I'm just excited to share what limited perspective I can share on the topic. Oh, I'm really excited and no need to be nervous. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Reese and I, for listeners, we've known each other for a long time, 15 years, 16 years, something like that. Yeah, more than a decade for sure. Yeah, more than a decade and haven't had tons of contact in between. Actually, you've been closer friends with my husband, Eric, throughout the years. But Reese's wife, Barbie Harper, did the episode on Invisible Women on our season one. And she's just phenomenal. Such a great reading partner, such a great mind, such a great person. And we're couples friends with the Harpers. And we've had discussions about patriarchy through the years. And so Reese and I were just talking one time and said, like, maybe it'd be really great to have an episode on season two, where Amy talks to a man and asks all the man questions and we just kind of have a spontaneous conversation about it. So you're a brave soul to come on with kind of no safety net and no no script or outline, but just kind of questions. And I, I really am grateful to you for being willing to like have this conversation because it can be sticky and it can make people feel vulnerable and it can even venture into territory where people get feelings hurt and so this is this is brave of you, and I appreciate. Well, it. Well, thanks a lot. Yeah, I uh, I think there's going to be some interest. I'm interested to get your feedback on a lot of the experiences I'm actually having on a regular basis around this topic. So, okay, well, let's dive in then. I mean, to me, it makes sense to start out chronologically. So, if you can think of just a framework or an anecdote or something from the way you grew up that demonstrates how you've seen patriarchy at play, yeah. you could kind of start anywhere that comes to your mind. Yeah, I mean, I, I I grew up in a very conservative part of southern Idaho where I was on a farm and grew up with a family that had very traditional roles. I think a lot of listeners can probably relate to the the expectations I kind of I, I saw with my grandparents and my my dad and I kind of saw a world where my primary like value proposition per se in the in the in the world and in my future family life was going to be providing, right? I was going to make money and like that was going to be the way that I like showed up and brought value. And um, it's been interesting for me to like contemplate, you know, at an early age, like how that started to affect me, you know, because every one of, you know, my peers and friends, it was always like, what are you going to do for a living? What is your job? What are you going to, how is this person providing? And for me, it was a, a particular set of farmers, right? This farmer had 20,000 acres. This farmer had 10,000 acres. This hmm. farmer had 300 acres. And you're going to be a potato farmer. You're going to be a, a bean farmer. You're going to be a <laughs> rancher. You're going to be a, you know, an irrigator. You're going to run into the local store that like supplies the farm equipment. And it was just all this stuff around, you know, who was I going to be? And I guess like, as I, as I've aged, you know, like, I think it I'd probably just painting the story a little bit, like, 
growing up, that's my life. I ended up deciding farming and agriculture wasn't my thing. I ended up getting a music major. My undergrad was in music composition. And then I started a small like music production studio in my basement called Do Re Media. That didn't last very long because as soon as I had kids, I realized that that wasn't going to pay the bills the right way. So I got a master's degree in finance. And for about 15, 17 years now, I've been in several businesses that I've either built or sold and still a part of um, that have to do with helping people with their money and making good money decisions. And, you know, I'm in fintech, which is a part of the, you know, financial sector that is the part of the technology and software sector that's really kind of a, a fast growing segment of our economy and one where there's a lot of venture capital and investing happening. And then I've been part of, you know, the financial sector, not just software sector, these, these, the combination of two industries that are really underrepresented when it comes to women as executives and just as employees in general. And I've really kind of struggled with both the personal psychology that I've had, you know, from birth until now, and, you know, my psychology as an employer and the habits I've developed and kind of the peers and the network that I have. It's been really eye-opening to kind of look at, you know, some of the regrets maybe that I, I have as an adult and kind of acknowledge them openly and see how they might be affecting my boys, who I have three kids and I've got a daughter. And of course, Barbie, who you mentioned, I'm, these are, I think that's, that's enough background to then dive into some of the topics, but, you know, grew up agricultural kind of conservative community, find myself now where I've, I'm very much like scheduled every 30 minutes of the day in one of the fastest growing sectors of the economy and very much not tied to agriculture, but I've just seen a lot in the, in the journey of the last, you know, 10 or 15 years. So anyway. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's great. That's like a really excellent lay of the land. And now I can think of like several different rabbit holes that I want to jump down that you, you just lined up, but do you have any that you want to go into? Well, I I think one of them that for me is particularly, I guess, a tender area for me is as I've looked at how my, you know, my framing of my life or the value that I bring into the world from this like monetary lens, making money lens. You know, I was raised in a conservative Christian kind of orthodox, we'll say Christian family. I was born Mormon and still consider myself a part of that community. I think this lesson really applies to to a lot of different faith traditions. But I, I feel like the the, va- the primary value that I placed on myself was that of provider, that of moneymaker, like in to the degree that I did that more or better than an alternative person, like I found value in that. And I kind of like as, you know, now that I've been successful and kind of, I feel like I have provided and money's no longer the thing that I'm being scored on. I kind of look back at the things I didn't kind of bring to maybe my marriage or my parenting that were more of that like nurturing, also like stereotypical, you know, female role that I kind of was absentee from, which is like, was I a nurturer? Like, did I care about the homework? Did I care about my kids actually sitting down and talking with me about the intimate details of their life? Did I read books? Did I 
that I nurture. And I tried, you know, a lot along the way, but there's a part of me that feels like I segment, you know, I, I didn't realize until my, you know, mid thirties that I was really kind of like not integrating any kind of kind of diverse view of what it meant to be a parent. Right. And I found myself like missing that aspect of, you know, my kids, my oldest is almost 16 and my youngest is almost eight. I have four kids. And there was just this moment where, you know, a few months ago I was sitting on the couch and talking to Barbie and I just like broke down, you know, I was like super sad and I don't, I cry a lot. I'm kind of the, Barbie would say I'm like the more, I'm the more emotional pair in the relationship. But I, it was like, after I have been grinding for like 20 years, like just trying to provide, and now that I've done it and kind of the money-making part of my life, it's not like completely over, but I've like, I've done enough to like save up enough and be prepared for the future to where making money isn't like the primary thing I need to do anymore. But I kind of focused on that so much and so heavily and so hard that I missed like a ton of, of experiences that I wanted to have and kind of look back at my life and wonder what would a little bit more balance have brought into both my marriage, both for my wife, you know, my partner in, in this, like what would she have been able to, to find fulfilling and if we would have had a little bit more balance. And then also like what kind of a person would I have been like, would my health and my temperament and my development as a person have been different if I would have, if, if both the financial needs of our family would have been more balanced and how they're being provided, maybe from both of us, where I didn't feel such a heavy weight. And then also like, what kind of a person would I be if I was actually engaging in some of the, the more, you know, as you guys have been discussing on your podcast, some of the, the more human kind of base labor kind of, you know, conditions that like most women in the world are engaged in, you know, like it's, mm-hmm. it's the laundry, it's the food, it's the meals, it's like the kids, it's like wiping the butts. It's like being involved with like the things that are like super menial sometimes that just feel like they're not worth the time that it takes to do them. Just like it's, you're all efficiency driven and you've got to get stuff done, right? As a provider, you're like, every time you see a task that can be done for like $18 an hour, you're just going to go like, I need to hire someone to do that task. I've got to like get someone else in here to do this. Like I've got to work on $200 an hour work and $300 an hour work. Right. And and so you end up like never actually feeling like you're ready to engage in, in some of the things that really actually do shape you as a human, you know? Mm-hmm. And I guess just looking at that whole experience, you know, both the imbalance of pressure that I felt to provide and the lack of like development that I was able to have as a, as a whole person. And to, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say like patriarchy affected me equally as it did my wife, because I think that the imbalance is still clearly in my favor. Right. I've, I've got, I have a much, I've been able to experience more things and have less, I've been able to have a higher, you know, more flexibility of my time, more ability to decide and be an agent over my education and my time and my resources and deploying them how I wanted to. But like in a small way, like I feel like I started to see the damage that patriarchy did to me as a man in a way that started to feel like I was bitter about it, 
you know, like for the first time in my mid thirties, just going like, man, none of this, like I provided, but like I missed 15, 20 years of like experiences that now as an adult, like I deeply value the, just the, the memories and the presence and the centeredness that comes from like loving and engaging with some, with this, not just parenting, but like for me in my life, it, it was primarily that, like, I just feel like I missed so much and um, you can't get that time back. And there's a lot of reasons that, you know, that I could have made different choices along the way. They just weren't on the radar. Right. Anyway, I, and- I'm just curious what kind of like resonates with you about that or what connects with you about any of that. Oh, it's just so great. I love hearing that perspective. And I mean, one thing that I'm curious about is you were talking about from the time you were really little, it sounds like that that was, I mean, we grew up in the same faith tradition. And so, yeah, I, I was listening to it as a girl going, oh, my role is to nurture and I'll have the kids and I'll stay home with them. And I, I didn't ever even question that at all. And I know I've talked to my husband a lot about how it felt to be a a boy hearing the messages, but I am curious, like at what point, as you, as you talked about, like you visualized that in the future, the way you were going to contribute to a future family and that you were going to be the human being you were meant to be and fulfill your potential was to be a provider. And that meant money, like out do you remember any times like as a boy or maybe as a teenager or something that that felt scary or heavy or limiting to you? Or were you just like, no, I'm strong. This sounds great. And I'm wondering too, because in society it does have value attached to it. And like you just said, like wiping butts and doing laundry does not, that word doesn't have value attached to it. Though I think a lot of people are waking up to realize that that's where a lot of human joy happens. But anyway, my question to you is, did you ever feel that as a young man, like that pressure on your shoulders? You know, I didn't really feel that until my, until I was married. Right. I didn't feel that until I had a child to provide for Uh and until like, until, you know, a job that made the median income in America, like until that was not enough. Right. Like then I didn't really feel the pressure. But as soon as I started, you know, as soon as the pressure of providing for another person and my wife not working anymore, like we Mm -hmm. both worked and it was really easy when we're both single and we have no kids and and we just have extra extra income. Mm -hmm. But like the moment that I I saw like the timing of when I've got to deliver and I've got to provide the full two incomes and pay for this baby. And our son was born like, and he had some medical complications and I racked up a credit card bill because the health insurance wouldn't cover it because it was an out of network ambulance that picked him up from the house, you know, like, and I end up with like 25 grand, a credit card debt, and I'm barely making enough to pay our mortgage. Like, that's when I like started working all nighters. Like that's mm-hmm. when I just was like, okay, like I, I have to pay for this baby, you know, mm-hmm. that's my job. Right. Right. And unfortunately, like for me, like, I'll just say I'm the average person. Like I'm not, you know, I'm not, I wasn't born with like exceptional intellect. Like I kind of hard worked my way through everything. I would say I'm a smart person. I don't like discount 
that, but the same token, like where someone else got, you know, they were able to get into Harvard and maybe have really exceptional grades that kind of propelled them to there. Like I had to outwork for generally uh, my way into success. Like I had to put more hours in because like, I, I don't feel like that was my natural gift. Wasn't like looking at a problem and assessing it intellectually and finding the answer quickly. It was just like, I ground my way through it. You know, I think a lot of men can relate to that. It's like, dude, I, I can't, I don't know the answer, but I'll put in 18 hours and that'll be the way I'll compensate for maybe not being able to figure out the problem. Well, you're being overly humble because you are an extremely intelligent, super articulate person. I had to work on that. I had to work on that. (laughs) But I think it's, I think that was the truth. It's like, I felt like I had to go like, for whatever reason, I had to go work my way into that. And I don't think that was true. That wasn't true. That was a story I was telling myself, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I just disappeared for like 15 years. Mm -hmm. Right. It was like, at that moment when it's like, then every little thing like layers on, it's like you, you have to pay for the, for all of the things that come up and you have to figure out a way to do that. Mm -hmm. I think it just, it wasn't like, I didn't even have a framework for like, Hey, if we just both divided and conquered here, like then maybe it would be healthier for both of us. It was more like you do the all nighter with the baby. I'll do the all-nighter with work. We'll specialize essentially. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, is that how, is that kind of stories we told ourselves? Was that really men like trying to be domineering over time? Was that women not feeling empowered to like, to, to, to assert themselves into that conversation? Like, how did we get to the point where as a society, we like specialize so deeply towards like man do A, woman do B. Mm-hmm. And then like, don't talk about it ever. Just like go do. And mm-hmm. was that really a conscious thing, you know, of like that millennia of just like oppressing, like an, a male oppressing a woman, like patriarchy, like domineering, you know, or, or was it like some specialization of labor and, and, and then yes, a lot of, a, a lot of power and greed and control that kind of, accompanied all of that like mm-hmm. it really did it really authentically felt to me like I just was operating under what I assumed was the right thing to do and then right. woke up 20 years later going oh my gosh so like this experiment wasn't beneficial equally to both of us right mm-hmm. like I I definitely feel like I got the upper hand in terms of the imbalance of education and life experience and mental development and some of the things that really the world like might value, my neighbors might value and my peers might value, but I missed out on the joy and the centeredness and the presence and the love that I'm desperately clawing back to try to find right now. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm like, where is my peace of mind that I can find again to train my body to just like sit still and read this book and like find joy in interacting with another person. Like that's been, gone for you know more than a decade you know as everything just is look i've looked at everything through a lens of efficiency and through achievement and you know through it it sounds like really heavy you know like seriously you're that bad of a person but it's just the the nature of how 
you know, I felt like I was providing value. Mm -hmm. And so, and, you know, probably getting positive reinforcement from my culture and society and my peers and my employees. And for like, wow, look at you, look what you're doing. You're amazing. Mm -hmm. And I was never getting reinforced, like for like coaching soccer, like the same way I was never getting reinforced for like spending time teaching my children music lessons the same way. And I did a lot of things, but like the social reinforcement was totally imbalanced in what it was causing me to focus on as well. And so it's just kind of a, it's kind of just been really a humbling, like last few years, just seeing like, I, I don't feel like I was, I feel like I was born with a much more balanced desire for, cause I had three sisters and me and then a little brother that was born like 12 years after me. So it was like me and my three sisters. Mm-hmm. And I, I really felt like I was, super nurturing as a, a boy, right? And through my teenage years, I was very, very much like interested in re- these relationships and developing the depth of, you know, connection with my siblings. And as time passed, it was it was almost like, it wasn't a conscious choice. It was like a conditioned experience where I was just like, in order to, you know, my Barbie happened to be four, years older than me I think when we really like three and a half like she's a few years older but a lot of women on average are marrying men that are older than them Mm -hmm. and so like my peer group of comparison like for me was like people seven years my senior eight years my senior ten years my senior so like every time I would see someone provide a house or a car or a vacation was like dude you're like way behind like you don't you're not, and you're not offering value, like to the degree that you should. So just like more work, more time, more time put in. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think there's probably some good things that came of that, you know, I mean, it definitely made me accomplish quite a bit in a pretty short period of time. I mean, it like was the forging fire to, for me to start several companies that have like grown to be quite large and provided my family with financial security that like we never thought we would have. But it, I don't know that I value that as much at this point. And it's easy to say, but right. you know, it, I really just don't feel like it was quite balanced the way I would have mm-hmm. started, the way I felt as you know, an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old boy. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've really taken away from several of the books that we read in season one, I especially remember the conversation that we had when we read Betty Friedan's book, The Feminine Mystique, that was published Mm -hmm. in the early 60s. And a big takeaway from that conversation was, was just that all human beings, regardless of gender, have the need internal like a need and we we talk about abraham maslow and the hierarchy of needs right yeah for self-actualization like we're born with skills and talents and developing those talents abraham maslow said is a need yeah. self-actualization it's the top of the pyramid but oh, it, it is. is there but we also need love right and so all human beings have this deep yearning for connection and relationships and that requires sacrifice but we also have this deep need to to grow as individuals and i know that barbie on her episode talked about how you know when she was young she thought about going to medical school and a a man who you know we just grow up conditioned to think of men as having authority 
And so like a man says to her, well, you shouldn't go to medical school because that'll make you less nurturing. You won't be able to be a mom. And she's like, okay. Yeah. So she gave up just like knee jerk reflexively, like, okay, I guess I won't do that. And I, you know, to, to think of, and then I, she told some other stories about like, I guess I'll just give up. This is the problem is, is when anybody gives up their entire capacity to either have relationships or their entire capacity to develop themselves as an individual, because we all need both. Yeah, I think that's one of the flaws in this model of, I mean, it's one thing to specialize and be like, at this period of time, it makes most sense for me to be, you know, to make more money and to prioritize this. And yeah, I'll take the kids for this, this week or this month, or even these five years or whatever. But as long as both people are saying, but I'm going to have some, I'm going to have a ratio that makes sense and feels good to me that I'm doing both all the way through. Because otherwise what I'm hearing from you, and I've heard this from so many women and it's, it's cool to hear it from a man, like to hear from your perspective that you've lost some things too. And, And like you said, that you'll never get those years back with your kids. You'll never get those years back of your life in your twenties and your thirties and stuff. And so women lose out often what they lose is their ability to self-actualize and they don't ever get to go to medical school. But then you have a man who's like sometimes doing, you know, self-harming coping strategies just because they're like white knuckling through those stressful years and they don't, they don't have the support of the relationship. So anyway, we have kept saying through this podcast, it's not good for anybody. It's not good for men either. And, and this is what I'm hearing from you. Yeah. Life. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm like I, I to put a button, kind of put a bow on this self-actualization and esteem and love and belonging, like Maslow's hierarchy. Like you, you're just presented with all these like mostly male models that somehow like appear to be like so deeply passionate about their one thing that they must have found it. And I like all the other like aspects of like Maslow's hierarchy, like esteem and love and belonging and of course like the baseline psychological needs and safety needs that are like part of our composition like i i feel like i wasn't really well balanced in how i was instructed to think about all of those things it was like a really big lift to kind of build a more broad and you know well balanced pyramid of needs mm-hmm. and for whatever reason like i told you at the beginning like thinking who you're going to be when you grow up this kind of self-actualization thing like it is drilled in deeply in patriarchy i mean inherently uh, most women's idea of self-actualization is pretty narrow like in terms of like and and it has a lot of it has more to do with the 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 love and belonging or kind of aspect of maslow's hierarchy than it does self-actualization yeah, it's not self-actualization in my experience. Yeah. You give that up. You just yeah. chop off the top of the pyramid the minute you have a baby. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like, wow, you know, like I it's really just not a balanced model. Like right. and I felt like, okay, I had too much financial pressure on me, therefore I did X Y and Z and was imbalanced. And my wife was doing everything. Like even to this day, like I will talk to her and I'll be like, "Barbie, you're like running a she's she's got people coming over to our house every day right now for nutrition consulting and lymphatic massage. And she's going through a bunch of training education right now to like continue to get her business off the ground. 
And I'm seeing her like struggle to choose between task A and B. Mm-hmm. And really she's, she's trying to be conservative with our, our family's budget and save money and try to make sure that we don't incur a bunch of like costs from, um, you know, home uh, support and personal assistance. And she's like doing so much of it. She's very quick to sacrifice her own personal time at the expense of her own self-actualization, because that's just been the pattern of like 20 years. And I'm very quick to like prioritize my self-actualization at the expense of getting involved in something that will actually cause me to realize that life just isn't about money and accumulation and self-actualization. Like it's much more holistic than that. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's such an important message for men to hear because I just don't think that women alone can actually solve this problem. Like it's going to take men saying and, and kind of accepting and kind of owning the, the, their part in the conversation like you have to have vulnerability, you have to have openness, you've got to show up on a podcast like this and have half the people like think you're, you know, a patriarchal chauvinist and the other half is going to think you're like very open minded and helpful. And mm-hmm. you just got to know, like, you're, you're not going to, like, there is no way without being vulnerable to like move the conversation forward. That's where trust is built. I don't, I don't think it's very complicated, to be honest. Like, I don't think this is a hard thing. Patriarchy adds a dimension of complexity to to how you build trust in an organization. And men have very few at-bats around being vulnerable. And women have few at-bats at being assertive. Like mm-hmm. it, on average, I'm not saying this is a, this is not gener- generally true for every person. But on average, like men don't show their vulnerability. They don't reduce fear in the workplace very well by sharing personal stories that then show vulnerability. I mean, if I was going to give a tip to somebody like that would be number one, like in every interaction you have, if you're a man having an interaction with another man at work or a woman, the same tip that I would give you is just like show some vulnerability, share a story that's like shows that you're struggling with a challenge or that you've had problems too. And that you didn't always know the answer and you loved getting help from someone and you heard feedback and just share something that doesn't make you look great all the time. Like that's exactly the type of accessibility that creates trust. So I guess to wrap up, is there maybe some takeaways from your life or things that you're learning right now that you would say, because you mentioned that men can sometimes be defensive, but what would you say to men who kind of defend the structure as it is, the status quo, and don't really... Uh, and maybe are a little bit resistant to change, what would you say? <laughs> yeah, I think that's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're I I think it's fair to say like they're I don't think I think all all people are resistant to change. Like change is painful. Change means we have to like do things different than what we're used to. And they that feels uncomfortable for most everyone. Mm-hmm. But I, I think from a, for me, at least, like, to me, like real happiness in life, like real joy, real fulfillment, it can only really come through a balanced, like completion of Maslow's hierarchy, right? And that often means that you're, when you are balanced, you're not, 
maybe the best way to put it is imbalance to me looks like this. Imbalance is highly anxious about the future or highly judgmental of your past. Like that is not balanced. You're either in one of those extremes most often throughout the day. You're either judgmental of your past and worried about the past and, you know, stressed out about it, or you're really anxious about the future. But like real joy, real peace is like coming when you experience the present moment just intensely, you know, observing the blades of grass, like talking to your child, like hearing the story being read, like under, like even doing, doing the dishes, like making the meal, like last night I made shrimp tacos, like consciously, even though I was like, it's going to take me like two freaking hours. I'm going to have to do dishes like twice. And I'm going to have to like blanch the shrimp and I'm going to have to like devein them. Cause I only want this one particular type of shrimp and I hate stuff that's already been thawed. And I want, you know, it's like, it's just going to take forever. But like, I want the experience of like, this is kind of what it means to be present and cook and like feel what it's like to like have to put together a meal that you don't do that often. And your kids need to feel that and see that. And you need to experience that. And like it, I find like for me, like if we want to be really fulfilled and really experience joy, like we have to have that balance of those hierarchical needs that go from self-actualization to love and relationships, to empathy, to, to, you know, protection. And, and I find that I can't really achieve that, like without, um, without the support of the opposite gender, both in an organization or in my home or in my marriage, like I need like balance from, from the genders to accomplish like, this feeling that I'm looking for, which is like joy. And I need it in my organization in order for it to thrive, in order for it to be healthy, in order to feel better when I go to work every day. And I I just feel like um, for me, a big part of being present is like getting to the place where in my own marriage and in my family and society, we have like a little bit more balance in the genders across all of the Maslow's hierarchy, you know, and that really does bring me more joy when that happens. So I don't have advice, but I just know for me, like as a man, I've felt like I'm starting to resent that, like I've had such a self-actualization money focused, like provider focused life. It's, it's really caused me to like miss out on some really important lessons that I deeply value. And I'm having to try to build relationships in a way with my kids that I, I wish I wasn't having to build at this stage. I wish they were, there was foundational kind of intimacy that I could have had at an earlier time in my life. And um, I know that my wife is like feeling the same pain uh, in an opposite way, you know, where it's like, Mm -hmm. dude, I'm having to start at in a a later age that I wanted to really find this self-actualization. It's been beautiful to watch her just like thrive, you know, as she's finding this passion for things that gave her life. And I think that, man, it, it didn't have to be either or like it could have been right. it could have been both and the whole time. And think of the energy that I could have brought to my work with a more balanced approach and think of the energy she could have brought to her parenting with a more balanced approach. And I, I just don't I don't really feel like the right outcome here was like divide and conquer and specialization to the max of like resource maximization. I think that's kind of what happened. It's like just mm-hmm. we're just going to do what makes the most money and ultimately whatever makes the most money and creates the most efficiency with our resources. Like that's what we're going to do and be damned like what it does to people's like balance. Right. Mm -hmm. And 
I just don't think that that's been healthy for us. You know, mm -hmm. maybe we have more money like as a society, but we definitely have more mental health problems and we definitely have more stress and we definitely don't have like very high success rates in our relationships. And I'm, I mean, like at what cost are we going to like maximize resources to, at the expense of human development? Mm -hmm. To me, that's the the big you know question. And so maybe that's the general drift. I know it's kind of heavy, but like, that's kind of how I feel about it for myself. And I think it has to be a, you have to find a desire to want to connect with deeper joy than, than just get power or, or have resource maximization. Cause that's, what's driving this imbalance. Yep. Agreed. Well, thanks Reese. Thank you, Reese Harper so much for talking with me today. That was really illuminating. I really enjoyed talking with you. Well, Thank I you love so what you're doing. Yeah. Well, thanks for being a part of it. I love it. I really, really appreciate your perspective and yeah. your willingness to take the time today. So All thanks. Right. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Reese. We're so grateful to Reese Harper for this conversation. It's really powerful to hear stories of men waking up to some of the damages that patriarchy causes. Men need to know that their value is so much greater than just producing and contributing financial resources. And I'm really grateful to Reese for sharing his feelings so openly. So thanks again, Reese, for your vulnerability and your openness to change. And it's always just such a joy to talk with you. Before I go, I'd also like to thank Sam Rose Preminger for our production, Brianna Jovan for our editing, and Lindsay Olibest for our social media. And of course, my thanks to all of you for listening as well, for being here and challenging yourselves and challenging others so that we can all push back against these patriarchal structures and expectations, which harm women and men and all members of our society. Make sure to join us again next week when we'll be hearing from two very special guests, Susan Warren and Red O'Hare, as they share haunting stories of abuse, misogyny, and struggle, but also share their fierce compassion and an unyielding hope for the future. All of this next time on Breaking Down Patriarchy.